Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We have been discussing the idea of courage with Jason. And again, I just want to remind you that these this idea of courage is coming from our four pillars, identity, strength, courage, and influence, which is the foundation of our youth mentorship program with Mission 300. And again, identity and strength deal with who you are and the gifts you've been given and how do we develop and work in those things and build confidence in those areas. But then there becomes a precipice where we cross over that we use that stuff for the sake of someone else or something else uh, that makes an influence on the world around us. So courage and influence takes us into almost more of an offering of that for a bigger picture than our personal development. So that's where we're at with courage. And we've been, uh, in the first episode, we kind of went through the definitions of courage. And one of the chief components of courage is the motive, which is at the essence, love. It's sacrificial. It's willing to risk your reputation. It's willing to risk... uh, the things you have for the sake of someone else or something else with that motivation. Everybody, thanks for tuning back in. Um, So far in our discussions on courage, we've been talking about the concept of it, the generalities of it, um, a little bit of practical application. But today what we want to do is bring up some real world examples, both in the Bible and in modern day and really see how it practically works and operates so that we can have an understanding of it, and more than just understand it, to relate to it and recognize it in ourselves, too. Now, Actually, before we start recording, Brian and I were talking about the story of Moses and kind of looking at one of really his first big moments of courage and uh, bringing in some aspects that I had never really put together before. Now, I've I read the Bible my whole life, grew up in the church, and I've heard both of these aspects talked about, but never together. And so it was a really cool insight. So Brian, did you want to share about that? Yeah, and I think it flows into this whole idea of courage because here Moses is raised as the the Pharaoh's daughter's son. So obviously within the royalty, so he knew who he was as a Hebrew but he also knew who he was as an Egyptian and and a high up Egyptian. So he had authority, he had power, and it says he was well learned and very skilled in the Egyptian ways, very wise in their their culture and in their ways of doing things. So it it really is a very great depiction of his identity and his strength really flowing. And yet then there comes this point when he's 40 years old that he makes this decision. And at that decision, from the book of Exodus, we know that he sees uh, one of the Israelites being oppressed and being uh, uh, beaten probably by one of uh, the Egyptians. So he steps in and breaks it up. And then in Exodus, it says that he looked both ways, killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And of course, when he goes back later, he goes to the Israelites and he says, hey, why are you, you found two of them, they were fighting. And he says, why are you guys fighting? You shouldn't be doing that, your brethren. And he said, what do you, who made you a judge over us? What are you going to do, kill us like you did the Egyptian? And he realized they had seen him. And at that point, he ran for 40 years. So that's the point we know of the story. And it's interesting. I've always just kind of looked at the story of like, think about how great God can take an individual that makes big mistakes and later on brings them back. And you know what? There is that principle in it. But now as I've been looking through this by accident in Acts chapter 7, it says a different story by Stephen. Not a different story, not a different set of actions, 
but a whole different motivation to that act. And I think that creates something very different. And I think a lot of times when we look at things from our own weakness, and this is where identity and strength really become a critical component to really be courageous. If you don't know who you are and you don't know what's been given to you and you haven't used those things and, and allowed those things to grow in your life, you won't understand a courageous act. Because it's interesting of how many times throughout the Israelites' journey, they judge God for being cruel, they judge Moses for being cruel, and they always put a verdict on him and a sense of judgment based on their position versus looking at a bigger picture, a bigger uh, uh, motivation to the whole process. So his motivations were the things that were judged. So I thought that was very interesting. But those were the facts in Exodus. That's what happened. And I think it's, it's funny that a lot of times people, I think there's a lot of courageous things that go on around us. But we only look at the actual act based on the current events and the limited scope of what's been given to us. So we judge someone who's courageous as almost being bad. We find ways to critique it, pull them down because we don't understand what that looks like. So one other context of this that's really important, the Israelites were oppressed. They had been oppressed for at least 40 years. They had been killing the, the, boy, the boys, so that way the Israelites couldn't grow stronger. So they were murderous, they were oppressive, and here's a people that they feared, but they lived as slaves. So their thinking always were, that we are under, we are lower. Don't make it harder on us. Let's just get along. Let's just get by. Don't make it any worse for us. Now, here's a guy that comes along that is free, living from the Pharaoh's court, strong, wise, knows who he is, knows, knows his own brethren. He knows there is brethren. And he finally rises up to take an act to stop what's happening. His actual motive in Acts chapter 7 says this, Verse 17, that the promise of God had come near, that he wanted to deliver them. It talks about how Moses was learned in the wisdom of the Egyptian, mighty in words and deeds. It talks about how that uh, this man dealt, uh, Pharaoh dealt treacherously with our people, oppressed our forefathers, made them expose their babies so they may not live. And so this is who came out of this. And it also says, I think that's important to reiterate, he was well-pleasing to God. That's a pretty neat statement to, to be made about a person. And it says when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. So it came into his heart. So his heart had finally come to the point, I've got to go be with my brethren. I'm not Egyptian. I know who I am. I'm of the Israelite people. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. Now let's just pause there for a moment. Let's don't look at this theologically. Let's just look at this from human, uh, the psychology and what's going on in his mind. He thought and was making the moment to actually deliver them because he knew he would deliver the people. He knew what he was. And then when this event happened, the, the children of the Israelites looked at him 
and accused him of trying to be a judge over them, trying to usurp over them. And then they said, oh, what are you going to do? Kill us like you did the Egyptian? But it's interesting, in this it discusses motive. To avenge something was justified in, his, in Israelite law. To go avenge a brother was, was justified. Just from a legal, technical point of view, there really was no crime if you're trying to go from a legal point. But we're not even trying to defend the act. So let's say he made a mistake. Let's say we can find all the flaws because we love finding flaws of those that are free. So that's kind of our human nature. But here he goes and says, I thought you would understand because I'm helping you turn and revolt against the Egyptians. It's time to go. And it's interesting later on, God has to find him because when he realized the Egyptians now were going to reject him, not because he murdered someone or not because he killed someone, but they were going to be rejected because now he, he was on the side of the Israelites. And now the Israelites don't want him. So he runs. And for 40 years, he wants nothing to do with it until God heard the oppression and said, I've been hearing the oppression of my people. You need to go back to those people that said, who are you going to be a judge over me and deliver my people? So it's very interesting in this whole dynamic that I think the heart and the motive of what Moses was doing corresponded to who he was. And so it makes you, want, it makes you take a look at, was that the courageous act or was he acting wrong? Now, I'm not here to say all of that, but I will say this, for Stephen to make this whole point, and then at the end of Stephen's point using this story, he said, so what are you going to do? You've killed all of the prophets and everyone that's come to you that's helped to try to help deliver you and to tell you that one is coming, and it cut them to the heart and they killed Stephen. So to make for Stephen to make his last dying statement about the motive of Moses— I just think it's something to take a look at, but I think it all ties into courage. It all ties into that motive, because the moment Moses went back to his brethren, he was giving up something. It cost him his position in Egypt. Just the moment going back, then it was solidified when he took an act that he thought would inspire for them to revolt and break free, because he knew the fear of the Israelites because he lived among the Egyptians as a leader. So he understood their motives. And so it's very interesting when we take a look at a picture differently, we could probably see courage going on all the time, but we, we tend to judge the motives of the person based on where our position is. And if we live as slaves and thinking that we're lower and not good enough, we will never understand what deliverance actually looks like. That's one thing that's wild to me about piecing that together in the story of Moses. And honestly, when you look at the Israelites throughout most of the Old Testament, you see that mindset of theirs repeated. Because even just in this example, they all knew they were slaves. Moses even knew that his people were slaves. But he saw the injustice of what was going on. No one else saw the injustice of what was going on and rose up to change it. So every other person, every other Israelite, in that moment, was looking at the same injustice and choosing to, I guess, just accept it for this is the way it is. I mean, you see this repeated in other judges or deliverers in the Old Testament, where someone will rise up and some people will follow, but a lot of times the people as a whole, they don't, they don't want deliverance from the enemy. You and I have talked about this before. 
They're not looking for deliverance. They want relief from the situation. And you see the Israelites saying the same thing even right after they leave Egypt. When they come upon hard times, it's, oh man, you know, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Why didn't you just stick, you know, let us stay in Egypt? At least we had a roof over our heads. At least we had some food there. And it's just, it's mind boggling to me on one hand to see that perspective and that mindset in them because we'll all read those stories and think, man, how could they think that way? But if we're really honest for a moment, don't many of us fall into that same mindset? Because we're always looking for someone else to come and bring us relief from the situation we are in. Instead of realizing that we're meant to take from these examples the fact that we are the courageous ones, we are the heroes that rise up because of what we've been given. So just as Moses acted out, acted out of his identity and his strength and stepped forward in courage, that's what we're meant to do too. We're not meant to relate to the slave-minded people that are always just looking for our situations and our circumstances to be a little bit better. We're meant to rise up and shatter those things. And it's a really big difference when, when I piece that together because maybe it's just me, but we kind of always grew up with this mindset of, yeah, Moses was a murderer, but God saved him anyways. You know, he had all his problems and his faults, but God used him anyways. Man, I feel like that's a honestly a bit disrespectful to the character of Moses and the courage he had, the power that he rose up in. And I think that's something that we should really take a hard look at. I'm re reconsidering the visiting of all that. And even as you're talking, something just kind of stood out. Here you have Stephen that is brought before the council because of his belief. And so he stands up and tells them the truth. And he uses his hero. I don't know if it's his hero, but he's using this as a case. I believe what he was saying. And here he, you guys have tried to kill him, rejected him in the early days. Of course, they, they model all of his laws now as a hero, but you don't even believe what he has to say. And it brought his death. So Stephen is stoned right after this whole statement. And I think it's very interesting when he describes Moses, you see a heroic side of Moses. When the children of Israel look at Moses, they see him as a villain in the early stage. In fact, I will say they didn't really, weren't really happy about going. They were forced out. I think most of, most of the things that took place caused agitation. See, when a deliverer shows up, there's agitation on both sides. Every time a deliverer shows up, both sides are agitated. One side doesn't like them because they don't fit the mold that they're wanting. The other side doesn't like them because obviously he, they're going to cause a problem and a, a turning of all the events. But even in these, these stories, when we see this, Stephen is seeing him from, Stephen is in a position of knowing who he is. He's knowing what has been given to him. He's knowing all of these aspects Yet, he looks at Moses from the same perspective. Here's what he is. In the Old Testament, when we read it, we read it from a slave mentality, and we see just more of the act. And I think this is very important as we're, we're looking through, not whether you're just looking at Scripture, but we're just looking at people and life itself. It's not so much don't judge them after the flesh. It's more of don't judge them from your from a lowly position. Judge them from who you are. Look at people from the perspective of who you are and then see in them what God sees in them. 
So that's one aspect of this. It has nothing really to do with the courage side, but it's very important because to do something good for somebody else as a courageous act that could cost you something, cost your reputation, cost your life, cost your uh, whatever the cost is to do that act. It's important that it's motivated by love. And if we could see what is going on in those people and we can see a heart of love form, even if they're rejecting you, it causes something to change. Which brings us to the celebration that we just celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day yesterday. And as you know, I, I love his writings and his a lot of the philosophy, I don't even want to call it philosophy, but his relationship with God and the actions that took place in order to bring about the change. He was rejected by some on his own side because he wasn't hard enough. He was rejected by the others because he knew he was causing a, a groundswell, but he refused to act outside of love. He always says hate will never produce anything good. Only love can bring transformation. So even though he was rejecting the oppression, he was not hating the individual. He was pushing the envelope on that. Boy, if we could just take some of that courage and put it into people's lives today, most of the, of the things that people are saying, standing for their cause, they hate the individual, but they don't even have a good standing on the cause. They're more hatred towards the individual that doesn't buy in versus standing to the cause, but still loving the individual. And so I think that is something that has to be kind of re-embraced. And I don't think Moses hated the Egyptian. I think there's other events that took place that, that demanded an act. And so, again, I, we weren't there and we can't say what actually happened. But when you look at Stephen, something heroic was taking place and the people couldn't see it. So looking at people like Martin Luther King, like Moses, some other examples we're going to get into here. Do you think those people ever regretted the courageous things they did? Do you think they ever regretted stepping out in a moment that required it and being courageous? And it seems like a really weird question to ask, but the reason I, I bring it up is this. I think a lot of people are afraid of what it will cost to take that step of courage. And I mean, I don't just think that. I feel like it's just blatantly obvious because there's so many people that don't. Even just going back to this example of Moses and the Israelites, they all know they were oppressed. They all knew that the situation they were in was not right, that something was wrong and it needed to be corrected. But the people just waited for someone else to do something. Now, I would wager that Moses never regretted his courageous actions because that's who he was, that's what he did. I would think that there was a lot of people in the Israelite camp that regretted not rising up in courage. But they both faced the same fear, they both face the same consequences because, as we've been saying, it's going to cost you something. And usually, like you said, on both sides. The people that are against you, they're, they're going to be against you. The people that are supposed to be for you, they're not always for you. It can be a very lonely road at times, and it can seem like a very heavy burden to bear. But why is it that the people that do these things don't regret it? You know, if that's one question we could ask ourselves, that, that should at least compel us to want to step out even more. Because if you are, if it is fear that's holding you back, then ask yourself the question, is it going to be worth it if I do step out? And if I do take this courageous step, is it going to be worth it? The answer is always yes in every example we've looked at over the last few weeks. So I guess a question we should be asking ourselves, and 
you know, talking to myself on this too. Why are we waiting for someone else or a group of someone else's to approve of what we're doing before we step out into what we know is on our heart to do? Why does that always seem to be the case? Again, I want to qualify something during this journey because I'm trying to see a different perspective. We have no idea of the events that surrounded the motives, the laws, the situation, the actual act with Moses. So I'm not saying it's okay to go kill someone for the sake of making your cause move forward. So I just want to qualify that. Nor am I saying that that necessarily was the right choice of action. I'm just saying there's a different way, there's different perspectives and motives that we have to get to. The other thing I want to add is not every slave doesn't want to be free. I'm talking about the slave mentality, not so much the conditions of the oppression. Some people don't buy into it the whole time and they're ready to go. But a a lot of people, once you own that I'm just this, that's what I'm referring to when about slaves. But I think regarding this question, when I look at Moses, I think what hurt the most is his own people rejected him. I think sometimes it's not so much would he have done it again. I think he would have in a heartbeat. But twenty hindsight's always twenty twenty. We could always say, I could have done this different. I couldn't have done that different. But you're doing what you're doing because that's what you believe, that's what you know, and that's what's been put into you. So we can go change it for the future. But as far as the hindsight of that, but I think what was the most troubling, and I think this really was the case that Stephen was trying to bring out, is... You always reject that deliverer from coming. You, you struggle with that idea of your life changing from what you've become accustomed to, that when someone comes in to bring you out, it's going to change you. And there's so much rejection in that. And so when it comes to being courageous, there has, a point, has to be a point where you're willing to be alone. I don't mean it has to stay there forever, but there has to be a willingness to deal with the loneliness of outside praise and approval. I'm not talking about loneliness from God. I'm just talking about the loneliness from that. And you will really find out where your identity is coming from in a moment. The moment you do a courageous act, you will find out where your identity comes from. I know when we first started uh, working in Thailand, uh, we hit a situation where we were first kicking off and we had exhausted every resource to make this happen. And right before we got here on the first trip where we were getting ready to launch uh, back in 2010, all of our resources got cut off. Everything got stopped. And I remember sitting in a hotel here trying to get ready to launch. Our connections got cut off. Our resources got cut off. And it really became a desperate, uh, naturally looking situation. And I remember saying, what am I doing here? And it took me a little while to kind of process through that. But I didn't make any rash decisions. I didn't second guess things. I knew I was here because God had moved in our heart to do something. Once we made that decision that we are moving forward no matter what, everything began to start going back into order. There was this place of provision and things that new things, a better way, a better process. And we just didn't measure us moving forward based on past experience or what the environment was saying, because God had built into us over the years, a sense of confidence, purpose, and courage within our identity and the strengths that we have developed that we could move forward in these things. And so 
when I look back now, it was like three years later, we were back at that same hotel at a meeting where the government officials were inviting us to become part of leading their probation department. And I thought of the irony of that, that the first time we were there, we were hopeless at the end, nothing happening, everything looked bleak to where we are three years later, where it was actually the blossoming ground of everything that has taken place here. And that was a courageous act, but we had to put into perspective, my identity wasn't in having a job, having resources, having everyone be happy with the, the, the decisions. A lot of people just spectating if we were really gonna hold, hold true and go forward with this. To all of a sudden, three years later, everything had flipped to the place of validity, uh, provision, everything had turned. But had we not made that courageous act, I think we would still be in a place of wondering, what should I do with my life? Where am I going? How's this going to happen? And I think courage brings you to a place that you just make a decision to move forward. Because even when we were there, we almost didn't even do the trip, but we had already bought the ticket. But it was almost like, what's the point? But something in, in me was saying, move forward, because the people are worth it. And so that's where we, we kind of stand. And so I can see this on the outside, but all natural wisdom would have said, that's dumb. And I wanted to ask you about that. So as someone who's gone through it, how do you tell the difference between knowing when you're stepping out of your identity, your strength, your courage, because that's who you are and that's what your father has called you to do and he's with you on that, versus, I guess... A, a thought or a feeling of maybe this isn't the most responsible thing to do because I'm sure those, those thoughts came in. I'm sure there's, I mean, I know there was people around at that time that would say it's not a responsible thing, or maybe you should be doing it this way or doing this a little bit differently, and then you'll get the result you need. So how do you navigate all those external thoughts coming at you in those moments? I would say the number one thing is whenever you're making a decision, if you're looking at it from what's in it for you, and you're hoping for validity from the environment that you're going into, I think you need to take a moment to pause and find out if you really should go forward with that versus this is who I am. I've prepared my whole time for this. This is where I'm going. I cannot, I'm so, I'm compelled. Just like when Moses says, I was compelled to go back to my people. My heart spoke to me to go back to my people. That's kind of where we're, where, where we were at. And those things mean you could be going through something that no one's ever going to buy into or approve of, but you know, it's the right decision to move forward into. So you're not looking, you're, you cannot look to the external accolades to validate the decision. It has to be an internal approval from God where God's approved of you. And now you're moving forward. And, um, I think that really is the biggest difference. So for instance, some people will courageously go on American Idol so they can make the top thing. And I think there's an act of courage in that. I mean, it's pretty brave to put yourself out there. But in the sense, if you look at the motive for doing that and what their motive is, I want to be a star. I got this talent. I want the world to see it. Da, 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 da. I can't say it's not courage or it is courage. I'm just saying you have to look at if people don't approve of it, will you quit doing it? If no one liked it, would you keep doing it? And I think that becomes probably the bigger piece. But it's even more than just, I want to be fulfilled. It comes where I want to give what I have. 
and I'm going to offer it out there if it's rejected or not rejected. One thing that stands out to me in your story, and I think is really important to point out, there had been this relationship that had been building with God beforehand. And not not to say that you know, you have to spend 10 years, you know, being saved and reading the Bible before you can operate on this level. That's ridiculous. But the point is there's there is a relationship of identity, there is a relationship of strength, and through that journey, you were learning to hear the voice of your father, right? And so you're learning to discern what's what's God's voice, what are other people telling me that's not from God, what's, you know, the enemy, what's just some random imagination thing. And I think that's one thing that that we really need to focus on because it's not so much about man if i can just you know get all the dissenting voices to stop and go away then i'd be able to make this decision i mean sure that might be super helpful but that's not going to happen so you don't really need the other voices to go away and i'm not talking about you're a schizophrenic person um i'm just saying there's an enemy and he speaks to us too there's other people with good intentions that are sharing their input and their perspective and It might be well-intentioned, but they're missing the mark because they don't know what's on your heart. The point is this, you're not going to get the other voices to go away. You just want to be able to know what voice is coming from what source. And I think once we have that established, it's a lot easier to take that step because if you can know, all right, this is on my heart, and I know that it's difficult, but I know this is the right decision, it's a little bit easier to walk through that. And I think ultimately that's what all of us are wanting deep in our hearts. I had a slightly different but somewhat similar situation years ago. My wife and I were on staff at a local church here, um, and I was the associate pastor doing Bible studies, all these programming things, and it came to a point, it was a young church, and a lot of growth, a lot of excitement. It was a very, you know, up-and-coming church in the area, and it came to a point where the head pastor and I, we realized kind of on our own that it, there there was just something that wasn't quite working. And so making a long story short, I made the decision to step down from leadership in the church. And it was a very difficult decision to make, not because we worried if it was the right decision to make or not, because we were very convinced that it was, but you worry about what it's going to look like to other people. Because how often do you have someone stepping down in leadership from a church because it's not an issue? You know, all the all the rumors start, all the whispers start, oh, was there a problem? Was there some kind of failure? Did, was there a big fight, a blow up? And honestly, in our situation, there was nothing negative like that at all. There wasn't some big theological disagreement. There wasn't some big personal conflict. We just realized that the the way things were operating, it wasn't working at the time. And so we made the decision to step down from that. And it's not really something you you do in ministry very often. So I ended up um, going out, getting another job. Um, My wife and I, we were having uh, our second kid at the time. And so there's a lot going on in life. And there is a lot of other opinions and questions out there of, oh, is this the right way to do it? Well, if there's, you know, if something's not working, maybe you should just push through. And sure, there's, there's times for that. But I was completely convinced that this was the right step for us. It was the right thing to do. And and now, years later, we're actually helping that church out now more than we were when we were fully on staff as the associate pastors. So the relationship has kind of come full circle to be even better than it was before. The operation is better than it was before. And you know, for the church, me stepping down allowed someone else to come in and really make things flourish. 
And on our side, it helped us to flourish and become more confident in who we were and to step out in what we knew we were called to do, my wife and I. But at that point, honestly, that stuff didn't matter so much anymore because I had become so convinced that God was leading me in this way and it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing for the people in the church, for the ministry. It wasn't about what I could get from something because there's a mindset shift. There's an old perspective that says, man, what I'm doing is providing for me. And at the risk of almost making it sound selfish, but again, it's not something that's about you. It's not decisions you make for you. But I will say, having experienced it, that you will love your life so much more operating that way. I mean, it is it is infinitely more better to more better? Yeah, I'll, I'll use that. It's infinitely better to have this mindset of an owner as opposed to a renter. It's infinitely better to to feel what it's like to step out in courage in your identity because that's the way God operates. That's the way your father operates. That's actually the way you are designed to operate. You have that same spirit. And so actually to operate in a different way goes contrary to what you are. And again, I'm not not saying everyone's going to be a CEO, everyone's going to be a lead pastor of a church. We're, we're kind of past that, give me the specifics so I can know what to do mindset. But stepping out in what you are is the most freeing thing, and the reward is so much better than the cost. And that is a super cliche, but it's 100% true. The reward and the feeling that you're flowing in the spirit that your father gave you, the way it's designed, is so much better than the cost for it. That's why people do it. I think what you just described, and me being kind of personal with that whole story, um, I think it's powerful. So the one thing I observed from, we've known each other, what, nine years now, with the thing that I observed at the beginning to what you are after that transition point is you went from being an employee that you're, the job was more important, was the whole reason you were doing it. I mean, you loved the work, but it was the job. Now you go back in and you have gone to a completely different level of confidence, um, interaction, um, still great friends with the, with the pastor. I mean, again, I think people don't even understand. This was because of a good relationship that this even could happen where it's even better than today, being back involved and in, in, in the level that you are. But you switched from being kind of the, the job-focused to the ministry-focus, to the application of the people. And it puts you into a different position, not necessarily position logistically, but position mentally. And I think that is the biggest thing, even with our guys in our program, there's a book we have them read because it's, it's well translated in Thai, is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the reason we have them read it has nothing to do with, we don't do it for the money. And we even say, it. this is, don't, I'm not worried about the money thing. What I want you to do is see the difference between an employee and an owner. Someone who is, has responsibility dumped on them and someone who owns the responsibility. And it radically changes the way of thinking. And in order for courage to really make sense, and we see this when, with Stephen, he was the owner delivering something. The children of Israel were 
the employee receiving responsibility and responding to that, but they ultimately weren't responsible. It wasn't their fault. It's not our thing. And Moses is trying to say, rise up. Oh, no, we can't. But Moses knew the thinking of the Egyptians. He knew if they would turn, it would completely overturn everything, but they would not do it. And this is the point that Stephen's making with. So back to your practical point is I think the number one thing is we went through the years of owning our decisions, owning what's been given to us, owning that at the end of the day, this isn't about me finding a job because we end up, it, it's, we have staff. It's not even about my job. It's about their jobs. I mean, it, 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 it changes the different way of thinking. So to move forward in it, it didn't matter where we went in life. At some point, we're going to have to face this and more decisions like this would come and more decisions like this would come. And you have to remove yourself from it in order to make that decision. And you did that in that moment. I, I Witnessing you do that whole process, I watched the transformation. It was powerful. That is a moment of courage. That is a courageous act. And so I think people don't realize that these courageous acts completely change our future and other people. So it does benefit. It, it has an impact on us too, but it radically changes other people because more people are radically touched by what you do because it's an outflow of who you are. If you were a janitor and just were able to serve in a way that you're free to be you, you're making influence. So again, let's don't look at social structure ladders like, oh, see, I'll become a CEO if I operate in this. No, you're going to become you to the maximum potential that influences the world around you. And, I, you know, again, like I love that story of the dairy farmer or the pig farmer, like, okay, yeah, I'm a pig farmer. But, okay, it grew. And forget the money side. He just went beyond it and just owned it. And it's like he took on and ideas came. So, again, I don't care if you're the janitor or doing the job at work that everyone hates to do. If you did it from the identity and strength of what the Father did, it would radically alter the people that are around you. And your growth will affect and influence everything. And it's courageous to act in that. So, again, don't think of social structural things that have to necessarily change. You change. And, again, the Israelites' issue throughout the whole Bible had everything to do with how they saw themselves as described in Acts 17. They deemed themselves unworthy of eternal life. It was how they viewed themselves altered everything. And God had spent all this time to let them know who they really were. I think that becomes a critical aspect. So if whatever role you're in, if you operate from a courageous point that I'm not going to be deemed my identity, my strength is not going to be dictated by my environment. I'm not going to take the oppressors, even if you are oppressed in what you do, I'm not going to take that mindset as if there's something wrong with me. I'm going to live from this place and things either have to change, but you will flourish in that place and influence will start changing around you. All right, everybody, we want to wrap it up for this week. Um, we're going to be continuing something next week. We talked a little bit today about the different voices you're going to hear when you're confronted with all this stuff. And next time we want to dive a lot deeper into this. And again, it's not not from a multiple personality disorder, schizophrenia kind of a thing, but there's there's an enemy. 
there's a father, there's your own mind, there's other people around you, there's all these different voices. And how do you actually discern what is what, what's coming from where, and how Jesus did it too? Because you might be surprised to learn that Jesus had to go through that same journey. So that's what we're going to talk about next episode. I encourage you guys to download and tune in again for it. Again, you can find us on social media uh, under outboundlife.org. You can comment on the podcast, and we will see you all next time.